Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about game theory and the current financial incentive structures in health. We start by defining what game theory is, we talk about what, what the definition of medicine is, and we delve into the current problem where our system aims for health but incentivizes disease. Uh, we talk about several examples as well as potential solutions for realigning the interests of the system with health, health outcomes instead of with disease and illness. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the TFC Footnerd program. This program is our effort to change the way the next generation of health professionals are trained by leveraging collective knowledge to create a constantly evolving curriculum of science-based information to keep our community informed and able to help others. People who've completed the program are then given the opportunity to teach seminars and workshops so we can meet the demand for those education sessions moving forward into the future. And if you want more information on that, visit thefootcollective.com and click on the Foot Nerd Program tab. This episode is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC Head Office are big fans of coffee, and this unique Canadian company provides a subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and gives you the story behind each of the craft roasters that each coffee comes from. Check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout and you'll get seven bucks off your first month's subscription, which starts at 27 a month, all in, including shipping and taxes. So it ends up being about, it ends up being actually less than a buck a cup. Um, and with that foot discount, it ends up being even cheaper. So check that out. It's great value. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear and electronics for our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality cases uh, that can keep your electronics safe during travel. And you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Hope you enjoy this episode. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here, back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today's episode is all about the game theory of health um, and the current system of financial incentives in the healthcare system, which right now is a bit out of whack. So, you know, today is going to be an intro on this topic. We're definitely going to record another episode um, on this when we continue to change our kind of perspective on it and become better informed about potential solutions and what those look like. Um, but today we want to take like an airplane view of the whole way that we do health right now where we have a health crisis whether people realize it or not there's a lot of people sick and we're not doing a very good job at solving it so we want to talk about a big part of that problem is how health outcomes are rewarded or how people are paid to deliver health um or rather not health but actually medicine and we want to just sort out like what does medicine mean what is health um what is the game what does game theory even mean and then uh, so i think the flow today we'll go through some definitions we'll talk about the problem and then we'll talk about some potential solutions and we're going to give a couple cases that are specific to our industry which is physical therapy but a lot of this carries over you know anything any examples we use from physical therapy carry over to the other rehab professionals and then we want to talk a little bit about uh, the medical world as well because that's another one where you know incentives and conflicts of interest are kind of the norm in the health system right now and we just need to get this sorted out so i'm sure you'd agree we have a crazy system right now mm -hmm. we have a crazy system that rewards people for treating disease and the incentive is to treat disease and we kind of lost our way and even understanding like what about health what happened to health we just stumbled upon it i think i think yeah. that's how a lot of things happen with humans is just we just 
make little tweaks and then we were and we end up with this like with this system and we ask ourselves is this even the best system yeah and we just get so used to it because it's just the norm that we just take it for granted that oh this is just the way it works but when you stay, take a step back like we're going to do today and look at it uh things often aren't are far from where they should be and and they aren't even the financial incentives that are kind of driving the whole system are really out of whack mm-hmm. and that's one of the big problems causing people to uh you know, maybe stay unhealthy or affecting their outcomes in the long term. Yeah, and I think a good analogy is like a fish, a fish that swims in water its whole life doesn't even know what water is, right? It's just, it's in it. Yeah. And I think we make these little course corrections in the world of health and change certain policies or how we train people or how we treat people. And we can end up at this very weird place that is not a good place, but it's such a gradual meandering to that point where you don't even realize like, where the hell did we go wrong? And so today's going to be about finding out where did we go wrong and how can we correct that? So let's talk about definitions to start with. So I think, I think even the word, you know, the, the topic of this podcast can be the game theory of health. And I think, um, you know, game theory, I heard that term a few times in the world of digital currencies. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? And, you know, game theory is an umbrella term for the science of logical decision-making in humans. So, you know, it's, you know, the really hardcore science is super interesting and basically it creates like mathematical models for strategic interaction between rational decision makers. So it basically is how is the game engineered with a system of incentives to determine what, how to motivate people to act in certain ways. And the right? game could be anything. It yeah. basically describes how human populations behave. So we're, we're talking about the game of, of healthcare mm-hmm. and game is almost a misnomer but it but it isn't at the same time if you look at what a game is because there's there's rules yep there's incentives there's strategies there's, goal. there's goals yep so these are all things that make up a game so we can call you know we're calling it a, a game and it, it applies game theory applies well to this because uh what you're going to see is that if there's rules if there's a set of rules then people will follow the rules and people will also try to figure out how they can bypass the rules or or bend the rules bend the rules or figure out how they can work within the rules that that really benefits them and it's not necessarily the fault of those people or those those entities that are doing this uh there's a whole in my mind the, the whole question of ethics comes into question too whereas like if you see a little hole in a rule but it's very unethical. Should you be taking it? Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But just by going on the basis of rules alone, there's there's rules and there's laws and there's there's things that are applying in the healthcare. And it's basically everybody is just trying to work their way through them. And, and mm-hmm. we have our system that we currently have right now. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's a very important point. It's not the players in the game that are to blame for problems, right? Like if there are people that will break the rules and do unethical shit and that's that's not good right we're not talking about those but i think there's very well-intentioned players that are not acting in the best interest of the people that they should be treating or or helping right and that is not the player's fault it's it's the problem is where is how the system is engineered and how the reward system is engineered in or designed in that system to allow people that are well-intentioned to do things that are not consistent with getting the best result so it's yeah. the system. It's not the players. And that's what we want to talk about is the Because system. humans are humans. And if yeah. there's a system in place, they'll figure they'll figure it out. Yeah. And we act according to incentives. And, and I think one of the things to start with is that, you know, the biggest incentive for humans is money, right? Money is what allows you to access other things, right? Like money is something that allows you to pay your bills and have a have shelter and buy food. But it also allows you to purchase other things that I think 
people want that maybe they shouldn't want. But that is the main incentivizer of all, pretty much all systems is money, mm -hmm. is resources. So I heard this definition by um, Naval Ravikant, who was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he basically said, money is an IOU from society for something that for something good that you did. So the more good that you do, the more money you should get. And this yeah. is a good alignment of incentive structures. The more you help others or the more good that you do, the more of these IOUs you collect and the more money you accumulate, the more wealth you accumulate. And you um, can also look at it as like value added to society. Yeah, So exactly. And that's why we work so hard, right? Like it's why so many of us go to school. It's really, people might say it's not, but it's a big reason. We, we pay tons of money and spend tons of, you know, mental resources to go to school to get a well-paying job so that you can make, you can collect those IOUs. Right. Just a, a side note on that, I, money, I liked how Sam Harris put it, money is energy. And, he, and it's simply at that, it's not positive or negative. And he used the example of like, if you were to go yourself to Africa and build wells, versus if you had uh, $10 million and you funded 100 people to go to Africa and build wells, you'd mm -hmm. be doing a lot more better work in the, in the long run if you had that money. It's just energy put towards a problem. Yeah, that's a good way so, of putting it. So it made sense that because we often think of it as like evil and it's like, oh, I would rather be just, you know, out there helping people. And you, you still can. You can align those two things. So, yeah. And if you, that's kind of the way I think of money in terms of a business point of view. It's like money is fuel, right? It's fuel yeah. to allow you to, you know, keep a certain project or company moving forward, right? Money is a tool to keep the, the people that you work with happy to make sure that that whole machine keeps moving forward, right? A lot of people see humans as pawns to make money, which is a mm -hmm. terrible way of looking at it, right? It's not a sustainable way from a business standpoint. You have to look at money as a tool to make your people happy, not yeah. people, not looking at people as a tool to make you money. So mm -hmm. it's a kind of this weird way we've started to view things. Um, so I think... The next definition I think is would be good to outline is medicine. You know, what is me what does medicine even mean? And two definitions that I found. Um, the first one is the science or practice of the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of disease. And I think one thing there is that we kind of forgot the prevention part, right? Like we, uh, the science and practice of diagnosis and treatment of disease. So I think we have to reconnect with the fact that medicine should also mean prevention. And it's gone so far away from that, that it actually feels, I think that healthcare practitioners can feel almost guilty when they do preventative medicine. Yeah. It's, it's super, super weird. Because if somebody comes to see you and they're like, I just want to, if you put them through, uh, let's say a mobility session, a workout, or, or if you, um, you do like a health session, they're not necessarily in what we'd consider a health problem or a health crisis, or they are not in pain. We're like... Oh, this feels weird. They're not they're not actually damaged or anything. Mm -hmm. But it's like this person might want to just stay healthy and prevent things from happening. Yeah. And that's the prevention part. And that's it's the most important part because if we get upstream of health problems, then we don't have these downstream disasters that we see. And to do prevention, like here's a missing element that that was not taught in physio school and that I know was not taught in medicine is like to do preventative, effective preventative treatment, you need to have metrics that can assess dysfunction without the presence of pain. Like yes. without people being broken down, you need to be able to assess what is what is not normal, what is suboptimal right now. Like I need to be able to assess whether or not you have human capacity at your hip joint, um, like normal range of motion, beyond just you be telling me that you have pain there to make me assess that area, right? So you have pain to be is, able to yeah. assess people free of pain to know how to help them with or assess like lifestyle habits. Like if you don't sleep eight hours, you need to be reminded that that's important, right? Yes. But unless you have insomnia or need to take sleeping pills, no one talks about sleep and that's the problem. We don't 
prevent problems. And that all feeds back into the thing that they're probably coming in with in the first place. Oftentimes the, the pain thing, because we've gotten so caught up with it, that it's become this outcome measure that everyone's so concerned about it. But like you say, to get at the pain requires getting at every other thing besides the pain. So yeah. it, it's it's tricky and pain does need to be included in an outcome measure. But it shouldn't be primary. But it shouldn't be primary. And it is, the nature of it is so subjective. Mm-hmm. It's just like I used to always find those rating scales so silly and it's it's like <laughs> the worst is when you're like, it's like i don't yeah like, the people that say 11 to that are yeah. the, are it's like come on being an adult you can't even stay within the rating scale this so subjective because it's based on your your specific experience <laughs> yeah and you're different than everybody else and it's but it is like like you said it's it's not shouldn't be the primary but it also should be because that person's subjective rating of how they feel is important it's not the most important but it is important and, and not only their physical pain, but their their emotional pain and all of that too, which should be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Even in a physical therapy setting, for instance, um, we need to take people's other lifestyle, areas of their lifestyle into account. Like if this person is like super, super depressed and they're not moving, they're not, right? It's like, okay, we need to also figure this out because I think there could be a great overlap of healthcare providers and we should all be looking at a very similar outcome measure and metric. So if you go to your family doctor, they should be using some a very similar or the same, the exact same ideally rating scale yeah. for global health as the physical therapist, as the psychologist, I as agree. the nutritionist. And it should all be, we should all be looking at these things. That way it's not this random, it seems like it's super, super random these days because you just you just don't know so what yeah. somebody's going to be looking at. We're comparing it to nothing, so there's no really good outcome baseline measure of health that's uh, that's out there. Yeah, and we discussed that before, and I think let's talk about that at the end when we get into solutions and potential improvements or suggestions and how we can change this system. Because um, I agree that's super important. So that was definition one is the science of practice of diagnosis, treatment, and prevention. We kind of forgot the prevention part. The second definition of medicine, which was listed, and this is, I think this is a Wikipedia definition. So um, is a compound or preparation used for the treatment or prevention of disease, especially a drug taken by mouth. That definition we definitely know a lot about, right? That's the definition of medicine that essentially is focused on in terms of teaching medical school. Right. So we so the focus, actual so compound. the actual drug. Yeah. Like what drug do you need to take for this disease? Yeah. How about we talk about how to never get that disease? Because that's a conversation that is not had. That is an emphasis that is not placed in, you know, the current system of health education. No. And I think even that definition of medicine. So medicine is what you need when you have a problem. So inherently, medicine and health have a conflict of interest because health is literally the absence of problems. Yeah. So health is is being in a state of health is being in a state where you do not require medicine. So people in the world of medicine obviously don't want to like there there's the disincentive right there. There's a conflict of interest. If yeah. medicine is treatment of disease and health is the absence of disease, then medicine conflicts with health. Yeah. And this is very weird. And you need and then a health care provider is actually a more of a medical we would, we would call it a medicine provider, let's say. Yeah. But uh, a true healthcare provider should be looking at, and you might have to dabble in both worlds. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Because once somebody, we're seeing this whole slew of people that are past the point where they're no longer healthy, right? So yeah. it's almost like you need to, you need to work with the people that still are healthy and work with them to keep them healthy and make sure that their lifestyle is promoting health. And then you also need to bring the people who are off that path back onto the health path. And yeah. it, it's just... 
And that well, we need to shift the definition of medicine, right? I think yeah. that's where it's not that these health and medicine sh are indefinitely going to conflict. It's that we need to shift the definition of medicine to reemphasize the prevention part so yes. that medicine also includes teaching health, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, that's the, I think that's the really big missing element is like teaching health should be part, a big part of that definition of medicine. I think it should be the primary part. It For should sure. be put before, you know, the definition should say the science and practice of prevention of disease and the treatment and diagnosis of disease when it comes it should be yes. in that order For right sure. and then drugs should be like way at the back only used when needed yeah but not at the sacrifice of literally t most drugs are taken to the detriment of global health for the treatment of a specific subset of health just to treat the symptoms and it's like not all drugs are and bad it throws the system off and, and they're needed but at the the far end of the spectrum yeah and but like the, in the short term it's like orthotics there is a place for them but it's much less frequently than what it is right now. And they need to be viewed as a tool and not a solution. It's the exact same thing with drugs. And it's and then look looking behind the financials of that, it's like, well, obviously a drug company is gonna want to spread the message that you need everything. You need all of these drugs to stay healthy. So we gotta yeah. look at who is influencing the the game. Mm -hmm. So clearly it's who, yeah, what are the players that have a lot of pull? A lot of, um, how do you say that? You know, um, I, I can't remember. I can't, I, the word it's really just right like now. it's, it is, it's primary like influence over it. it it's influence. That's what it's, the word I was looking for. They have a lot of influence. What players have a lot of influence? Well, it's part of it is who controls the, the resources, who controls the money. Well, exactly. drug companies have a shitload of money. So they're so making they're a major the game. player. They're making, they're, they're really making some of the rules for the game right now. Hmm. And they're actually getting deep into medical schools and they're actually, like you say, education of, of medical professionals and health professionals. A lot of it is done by these <laughs> companies who, who actually, so they're actually making the game. So the, yeah. I didn't even think of that that deeply before, but it's it really is, we need to make sure that we figure out who's making the game. Cause I don't mm -hmm. even think that a lot of people know who's making the game. And then we've got to restructure the game so that we don't have these big conglomerates actually making it yeah like for us. i so the uh chris kresser went on joe rogan the joe rogan podcast this was a while ago one of the most powerful podcasts i've listened to in a while i listened to it a while back but now i listen to it again on my way home from uh, thailand and it was like it had this renewed sense of impact on just looking at the world of health and he talks about type 2 diabetes as a very powerful example how like the average person that has type 2 diabetes which is 100 percent preventable through diet Costs about 16 grand per year for that person to be treated with drugs for type 2 diabetes. So over the, you know, if they're in their mid 40s and people are getting diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in their teens now. So this is like a very conservative estimate. So in their 40s, they get diagnosed. Let's say they live for another 40 years. 40 times 16 grand, it's something like 600,000. 600,000 per person. And if you look at the numbers of the amount of people in the US that are type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic, by 2040, all of the government budget, including what's currently used for military, what's currently used for schools, all of the government budget by 2040, if we continue the same trend, is eaten up by healthcare. Wow. There's no money left for anything else. So this is a completely unsustainable system. That's just diabetes? That's just diabetes. That's just type 2 diabetes. And so like what he was saying is like, okay, 16 grand a year. What if, so you can keep, you know, patching up a Band-Aid with drugs to control the symptoms of type 2 diabetes, but not control the actual disease. Or you can get someone to have a health coach to teach them what to eat, how to eat, 
go to groceries with them a few times, give them recipes, keep touch and, and keep someone accountable. And guess what? It costs way less than 16 grand a year and it permanently solves the problem. For sure. In not that long. So it's like, we just need to look, like you said, That's what a- players are making this game because the incentive is to give them drugs and it's two part. It's number one, the drug companies are trying to make it as attractive as possible to give people drugs by mm. by literally controlling some of the education that physicians get on type 2 diabetes. They make their way all the way in there. They weaseled in so hardcore. And then the other part of the problem is that doctors are not informed enough to know there's a better solution. So it's like twofold. It's like we got to reevaluate the rules and look at these big or they're players. Just, yeah, exactly. They're not informed. Or they're just in it. I think yeah. the problem is just the no one. A lot of times we don't step out and look at it from above mm-hmm. if you're just in it and you're super busy every day because like a lot of the doctors out there are just crazy busy oh, with man. exactly what we I talked feel about for they've, physicians. they've gotten they're atta- they're just being attacked by the slew of people who are very who are in need of their care but it's just there's not enough time or energy to like yeah. actually think about this stuff and maybe they do maybe some of them do but a lot of them are just playing the current game they're like this is the way it is i'm just struggling to keep keep up with yeah, my I'm treading load, right? water so that I don't drown. I'm seeing so sure. many problems and I have so little time with each person because the incentive is fee for service, not fee for result, yeah. that I'm just trying to do my best with the resources I have. And the sad part is doctors are actually getting sick and stressed and having problems themselves because they're getting so overwhelmed with the tidal wave of people that have problems. To be honest, how we train doctors is exactly that too. Yes. If you look at the amount of and we went through some of it too, but I think that doctors are the epitome of this. And you, uh, people like uh, Peter Atia will will attest to this when he was, when he was in his uh, medical school. The the hours that he'd ask, they'd, they'd ask him. So he'd already be working like a twenty four hour shift, and then to like text him and be like, "Can you pick up another twenty four? So he would do like two twenty fours in a row. That's crazy. Uh, he did that a couple times, and at one time he actually fell asleep in his car at every light. So <laughs> oh my so god, he, he would go to a grain, and then people Ugh. would honk, and he'd wake up and he'd drive. So like this is the the doctors that are that are being trained and that's an extreme example but a lot of them are just being ground to the to the bone and they do need to learn a lot of stuff but that is the if you it's ironic because that's the opposite of health we're trying to train them in health and we're making them be the the most unhealthy versions of themselves along the way which is crazy so Rhonda patrick and matthew walker i think on their podcast talked about this and that whole tradition of basically redlining doctors and sleep depriving them essentially was started by a doctor that was a coke cocaine addict and would stay up late at night and do do cocaine he was and then he would make all of his students all of his residents do it with him really and that's yeah it's crazy i'll research that a bit more we'll talk about it on another podcast because it was so crazy and then that tradition of sleep depriving doctors and forcing them to do completely unnatural things and like one thing matthew walker said is like if you ever get surgery probably the best question to ask your surgeon is how much sleep did you get last night Mm -hmm. because if you get surgery or your doctor that's looking after you in the hospital hasn't slept for 20 hours, that person cannot make a sane, rational judgment of a very important decision that might affect you very much, right? Like you hear these stories about tools being left in people after a hip replacement. Well, guess what? That doctor was probably sleep deprived as shit because that's not, you know, like Mm. this matters. If you look like being sleep deprived is worse than being drunk. If your doctor came in and was hammered, you'd probably be like, "Mm, maybe we should do this another day, doc. You know, but like sleep is the same thing. It's actually worse. So we and a big part crazy. of this. So the, so a big part of the school should be training people not only cognitively, but but with 
concrete things that they should be doing themselves. It should almost be like you need to need to pass your schooling. You need to be healthy, the healthiest <laughs> version of yourself. Yeah. And you actually need to improve along the way. I agree. Because that means you know how to keep yourself healthy and you're yeah. learning about stuff along the way too. But it's just so like cognitively, it's like here's how you stay healthy, but then we're the we're the, the opposite of that. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Say this, but do do something totally yeah. different. That's why part of the Footner program is a movement practice. Like 25% of the time in the Footner program is these are, you know, beam progressions or or the barefoot bodyweight squat with your feet together, holding that position for a minute straight. It's hard as hell for a lot of people. And that's the master project where over the course of the entire curriculum, and, you know, and you can take up to a year to do the program, one of the things you need to do to graduate is be able to do that. And guess what? That's going to be really hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But by working towards being able to do that, you see the work required to get to there so that when you when it comes time teaching it to someone else, you already did it. You already know how to do it because you did it on yourself and everyone else's body abides by the same principles as yours. And you're right. I think, you know, in physio school, there should be an element of, you know, you get graded based on your ability to move. Yeah. And part of it is going to be a cop out. People like, oh, well, I have this, this and this. It's like, nah, you really don't actually. You just have shit mobility because you've never moved. So work on your mobility. Okay. You don't get marked. You don't get marked based on the amount of work you put in. You get marked on the results you get and guess what if you're really stiff you're gonna have a lot more work to do but the outcome is part of your mark is can you do a squat can you because do a hinge? if you look at the and just that's a that's a specific example if you looked at when we were in physio school we're, we're forced to sit for most of the day <laughs> yeah. and then we're learning about how to uh, they didn't frame it this way but we're essentially learning how to undo a lot of the effects of sedentary <laughs> lifestyle and yeah, sitting so and crazy. then we're doing the same thing so it's like you should it, that should be filtered into your day it's like you should learn little trips uh tricks tips all of that to set up your lifestyle mm-hmm. while you're in school so that you're learning because you do have a desk job while you're in school so yeah. you need to learn about how to combat your life's um these effects of that uh and to keep yourself healthy while you're in that that's like that should be the master project like you say i agree um, and then for for doctors same thing it's just like you should learn how to eat healthy be healthy and by the end of it the master project is how are you yeah. How's your health? Yeah, let's check your like, blood levels. Let's yeah. check your movement. Let's yeah. see how many hours of sleep you get. Like those are very Now we know that great you metrics. know how to coach somebody on health. We know exactly. that because you've proven it. So yeah. let's talk okay, so those are a couple definitions. Um and let's talk about the problem. And the problem and we've already touched on this, but the problem is that at its core, disease and illness which require medicine are incentivized and prevention is disincentivized. Right? You get paid to treat people. You don't get paid to make people healthy. And this is the like core of this problem. You know, this whole fee for service, which is the biggest way that physicians are compensated, right? Or, or is the main way, from my understanding, in Canada, how physicians are compensated. So when I see a patient for a visit, I get paid a certain fixed amount for that visit. I get paid a bit more if I do a procedure, but my payment is based on seeing someone for treatment. It is not based on having someone be healthy. And yeah. when we get into the next section, we talk about the solution. I think we talked about this before. A very compelling part of the solution is a standardized global health metric that everyone uses and that everyone can objectively see how much is this person improving in their global health and that you should be compensated based on the improvements you make, not based on the amount of times you see someone. So, you know, I think conflict of interest is definitely. Uh, a term that comes to mind. Conflict of interests are the norm in the current system, right? Like a conflict of interest is a situation in which the concerns or aims of two different parties are incompatible. And in the healthcare system, there's a lot of misaligned incentives, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, like we said before, medicine inherently is in a conflict of interest with health the way that it's currently done. 
and we need to realign those two things and it's not the people it's the it's the system the way it's engineered um but you know chris Kresser said an amazing quote on rogan and it's from um upton sinclair it says it's difficult for someone to understand something when their salary depends on them not understanding it yeah this applies massively to the world of physio supplies massively to the world of con- conventional podiatry um medicine you know like if you don't know that orthotics you know if you if in the world of podiatry for example if understanding that the best way to achieve the you know the best outcome in terms of foot health is achieved by subtraction taking away artificial support you know getting someone to reclaim mobility their foot all that kind of stuff if you understand that, well, then guess what? The main thing that pays your salary no longer is valid. So your incentive is to not want to not want to research if that. If the game stays the same. If the game stays the, the game same. The game needs to change and then it exactly. can, then the incentives can realign. Yep. And in medicine too, the whole, like, and I heard this at one point. I don't know if it's bullshit or not. It's hard to research, but I heard a story once saying that the, the system of medicine in um, back in the day in China was if you're a doctor, you're in charge of a certain amount of people. So let's say you're a doctor in China. You have a thousand people that you're in charge of. You have a thousand patients on your caseload. You get paid inversely to the amount of visits you do, right? So if someone comes to, if you're a doctor and someone's coming to you for a visit, they're coming to you with a problem. So the more visits they do, the less healthy they are, right? I think that's a pretty easy premise to understand. So if you're a doctor, your incentive now, if every time you come see me, I get paid a bit less because you're not as healthy. My incentive is to make sure you're healthy because then you see me less. I get paid more. I have less work to do, but my incentive is to make you healthy. So I want to get really good at making people healthy because then I make more money. And that's a very beautiful way of aligning fee for result and not fee for service. It's the opposite of the way we do it. Yeah. Right now, obviously, that's a complex thing to unpack and standardize and and like create that algorithm of rules. But it's not that complex. No, and and that's part of it. And it's like you can see how that there were. Again, you look need to look deeply into the game, and that's that's where the complexities lie. Because then, it's funny how humans work. You'd see this whole other set of problems, like people with if we set up the game differently, mm-hmm. we need to really do the due diligence and the research to make sure that the game is like unhackable mm-hmm. or very hard well, to you hack. You just test it. You just test it yeah. with a small group. Like the Ontario government or the Canadian government should say, "We're going to try a pilot of this way of engineering the game of health." And guess what? Yeah. You're going to have some some shit that's going to happen that you couldn't have predicted. Because yeah. you, you're right. Humans find a way to to do things in their own benefit, sometimes at the expense of others. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that rule didn't work. So let's put this rule in there. And you just do trial and error. And eventually you're left with a system where it's like, wow, we're compensating. We're incentivizing people to make people healthy. But clearly we good. do need to take the actions to, to tweaking and changing the system. Yeah, it's broken. It's and broken almost, right now. We need to do almost like a... I think we need to do a large scale change and then tweaks after thereafter, as opposed to small little tweaks right now with the current, the whole thing needs kind of a, a revamping. Mm-hmm. So, and, I, and like another part of this is if the incentive is to treat disease, then there's really no, like if I get paid the more times I see you, I don't have a very big incentive to make it so that you never have to see me anymore. No, right? Like we talk about this all the time and at optimize, we're trying to put ourselves out of business every time we see a patient. Yeah. Which from a business standpoint, if you look at it with a narrow mind, you're like, well, that's stupid from a business standpoint. That's a bad business plan. You're going to be like, if you're getting good at putting yourself out of business, you're not, what, where's your business? What they don't realize is that when you get good at helping people, those people tell other people. So you yeah. see a lot more different people, but you see the same person way less frequently. It's the long game, not the short game. Yes. And, and I think that 
we need to start looking at that way because if if you try to extract the most amount of resources from again a lot of these companies so in, in physio in the physio world here's here's how it works so there's yeah. there's, <laughs> there's some the truth <laughs> yeah here's <laughs> there's, dark. there's many companies and the, these companies actually dominate the industry so here in Ottawa and in many other major cities around uh, North America and probably around the world so these companies will just look at standard metrics uh, of like visits so how much you're seeing somebody and they almost disregard actually I would say that the company that I work for disregarded actual health metrics mm -hmm. completely so they're so the business people behind the scenes are like how many times are you seeing this person and then the naive person starting is like wait a minute I thought I was doing good and getting people better but then they're telling me no you're doing bad because you're seeing people less so then you then you you got this weird game that you're playing so so essentially like you say the more times you see somebody your bosses, the higher ups say, good job, good job. Keep doing that. We will pay you more. And then you're like, oh shit, they're paying me more for actually doing a worse job. Yeah. Um, so then you're caught in the middle of it. So, uh, so it's a conflict of interest. It's a conflict of interest at its, at its finest. So that needs to change. But the same thing is that the, the patient is the one who kind of takes the brunt of all of this yeah. because they get the they're coming in and they're like, Hey, I just want to get better. It's like, okay, so what's going on here? Like, you're telling me to come three times a week. Like, is that like, they don't know any better. That's the problem. It's yeah. not like they're now a lot of patients along the way would, would realize what was going on. And then now when I see people who have gone to other clinics and come in and see a different way of doing things, they say, oh, now I see what was going on at the other place. Yeah. It's almost this aha moment because they look at it in hindsight and say, oh shit, they were just, and they, they like put all these pieces together. And like a lot of them are like, they asked about my insurance uh, money. They, they want, it's almost like they Before just, they, even they tried about to my milk. disease. <laughs> yeah. I had a, a lady come in the other day and she said she went to a, a Cairo's office and the Cairo tried to sign her up for this. So she, the Cairo did an assessment and tried to sign her up for this package or whatever. And mm -hmm. it was like $2,500 is basically a six month thing. And she, before they even said like, first of all, what, what their opinion was, what was going on and how they were going to fix it. And they wow. went, they were so bold and they said that we'll fix it. If you like, we're going to fix this. Uh, they didn't explain it to her. They're like, you sign up for the, this is how we're going to fix it. If you sign up for this, we're going to oh work. You. And it's That's like, so they, they withheld the information of, of what it is. Uh. And so she's like, I don't even know. And then luckily uh, she, she smelt bullshit and she, uh, <laughs> she got the hell out of there. Um, but it's just like, that's what's happening yeah. is like, you don't even, people don't even know that's just blatant, uh, misuse of, of the current system. And, and that's just blatant, yeah, it's like it's predatory, predatory. It's, it's so crazy. And you wonder like what really you wonder is, is that person an outlier or is that the norm? And it's hard to say, <laughs> I know, but that person, but you hear a lot of stories like that. So it's so, not, it's just not, that's not an outlier. So this Hopefully person is not the norm. It's the norm for these this model this person's model and probably others like it. And then they the, the sad part is they probably have people that are going to them none the none the wiser and just and getting fed off of and then like you say, when we don't have any concrete outcome measure or, or ways to standardize it, it's just like that's the way the the healthcare game is, is working right now. So mm -hmm. this person's getting getting money. But the problem is that the more like you say, the more and more people who 
like this person who came to me and saw the different approach they're like oh i would never go there and i'm gonna tell my family to never go there and da, 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 exactly da. so Long it's game. it's just a short term it's it's weird how everyone has probably like you think like oh this this you know big corporation is must be smart because it's like but a lot of times they're so short-sighted because when you when you break it all down to its nuts and bolts it's like you've got people just looking at metrics and to to push these levers up, non-health metrics yeah and it's like we need to push these levers up so we're going to do this this and this scheme let's see if these levers go up from that oh and that makes us x amount of more dollars yeah so, so it's then it's dollars. like but but then it's like you just lose sight of the whole picture do, do the people who you're actually trying to serve uh, are they benefiting from this because the best business idea is is actually benefiting like you say back to naval's what he was talking about is is if you get provide value or if you help people you should be rewarded for that and you will be rewarded for that if you're playing the long game in an yeah. ethical way and actually helping people and i think it's just a matter of time before we figure this out but and there's a reason that companies like that these mcphysio chains big business chains the turnover is insane why? Because as soon as physios, physios are smart people. There's high marks to get into physio school. In terms of physios who work there. Yeah, yeah. they realize it, yeah. right? They realize that at one point they're like, oh, this is bullshit. This is not right. So I'm going to leave. But the, the problem is, is that they have this never ending resource of new grads that are in debt, need a job, and they are more than happy to offer a job. And then it's and again, like, we'll pay you and we'll make you busy exactly. right away. And then it's like. So they're engineering their own game. They've created their own micro game, which is, is overly incentivizing, seeing way more people. And they're trying to maximize those levers to the point where if you're a physio, you see four people an hour, you get 15 minutes with each patient, and then the rest of their time, if they're there for whatever, 45 minutes or an hour total, is spent with a non-physio. So you're paying a physio's hourly rate for their service, and yet you're only getting 15 minutes of that physio's time. That is That should be considered fraud. Like if anyone from the Physio College of Canada is listening to this, can you please like fix this this is your problem this you're 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 being paid to make sure that our profession doesn't yeah. go to shit and get abused like this we need someone to step up to the plate and do that yeah. job because that the question is like how do the rules change and we do need play like we need rules we, we need players like this the colleges regulatory bodies yes government they make the rules they make the rules so if you're being influenced by all these these other players it's like we need them to step up to the plate because the like it or not the only way this is going to change if these these people whose job it is to actually do this stuff actually do it. Do their job. So <laughs> they're it's, being paid to do it. They're just not yeah, doing it. They're not actually doing it. So they're just letting everything slide. And it's just every yeah. the amount of complaints that that our college has heard and done nothing about is is crazy. And I've I know people who have personally lodged multiple complaints based on their workplace, their places of work doing shady shit, and they've gotten no response back. And it's almost like they're just trying to shut them up. It's super yeah. weird because they're like, this is just... The well, and here's... This is part of the crux. It's like, okay, if you're that McPhysio chain, you have so much money that you can afford a tribe of lawyers that you can pay crazy amounts of money. It's part of what you're spending is. It's part of your budget. We have to pay a ton of lawyers to fight the college on the bullshit that we're doing. And we have so much money that we literally can fight it successfully and put it off. And that's the unfortunate part. Money, the, the double-edged sword of it, it, it can be used to actually, it, as energy to do things like that, to actually keep the status quo going because you're providing so much energy and like lawyers and things like that to shut anything that wants to change your rules yeah. down. So that is, I guess, the 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 negative aspect of it. And I think that, you know, the, the same thing with physicians, right? Like, we talked about this before, and Cresser talked about this. When you, you go through medical school and you're basically learning how to treat problems with drugs is the core of what you learn, right? Like in four years of medical school, you learn about two hours on sleep. You learn about two hours on MSK, 
on movement, like nothing on movement, but on treating MSK. Like you learn so little about the things that you treat so much. It's crazy, but you learn a lot about drugs. And then when they graduate from school, the biggest source of post-grad edu- continuing education is provided by, drum roll, drug companies. So the drug company will say, we're company X. We developed a drug to treat this disease. Here's a bit of information about this disease. And here's why our drug is the best at treating it. They're not going to tell those doctors how to help people prevent the disease in the first place. This is not an incentive. Yeah, exactly. So that's part of the problem. And and it's like the same way that you said that the way we do physio is, is putting us out of business, but that in the short term, long term, it's not. So if the drug company is actually, because they have the power. So if they actually said, hey, we're going to, they could just change their business model and be like, we're going to work with, with people to get to the, the root of this. So we still have these drugs, but we have them for the short term. It's the same thing. It's like if they just just applied different logic to the scenario. But again, it's just so deeply rooted now and it's yeah. so profitable that it's just hard to put the brakes on. And and it's blinding when, when that much money is involved. It well, just... and even like they incent. Okay, so not only are they going to give you education on why their drug is the best way to treat this disease, I'm not going to talk about how to prevent the disease. They're also going to pay you to listen to the education. They're going to incentivize. They're going to they're going to give you a reward. They're going to either pay you overtly. They're going to bring you on a fancy trip to go somewhere. They're going to bring you to a, a sporting event. Whatever these drug reps have so much money at their disposal for sales tactics that you know. Like Cresser quoted a study in the USA that says the more gifts doctors receive from phar- pharmaceutical companies, the more expensive the drugs that they prescribe, and the more prescriptions they write in general. And that just makes sense. That's crazy. Drug companies are running the show. They're making the rules. And this is why, you know, a company that treats disease, if they are make, running the show, well, guess what? There's going to be a shitload of disease. Yeah, it's in their That's best That's part interest. of the problem. Their interest is in creating disease. So anyway, and not not maybe not creating disease, but definitely not creating the perception of solving disease. disease. So and then. Well, I mean, it is more profitable if the, with more disease, like you yeah, say. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so anyway, I think that covers the problem. The problem is that disease and illness, which requires medicine or requires drug intervention, is really what's incentivized. Seeing people frequently, seeing just visits are incentivized. But health is not only not incentivized, but it's kind of disincentivized because it takes it gets like overshadowed by all this money and energy being put into managing disease paying for disease to basically continue right without ever incentivizing a solution for these problems and i think that's why we've gotten to where we are and i think now is a good time to talk about the solution and and you know the solution at its core is really align financial incentives with optimal health outcomes Mm -hmm. right so that the more good you do the more people you help the more health the more people's health you improve the more money you make so that we are aligning we're taking away the conflict of interest we're aligning interests of finances and rewards you know we're changing the rules of the game and that's really what needs to happen and i think you know going from fee for service to fee for results we talked about this before and i think this let's talk about this a bit because this is a very important an important element of changing these rules is having a standardized metric for global health that everybody that everyone uses everybody in health so it's almost like we need to unify all healthcare providers. Yeah. So even though your specialty might be in treating the you know the musculoskeletal system, uh, you're still looking at all these other metrics. And even though the the dietitian or the the nutritionist is looking at that side of things, they're still looking at the other metrics. And they might not be intervening directly with those, but they're still looking at them. They're still asking about them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that everybody, because as we've seen, 
every pillar of health connects into every other pillar of health. Yeah. Your sleep, you know, your sleep affects your pain. Your sleep affects your your weight, your yeah. mood, your mental your, health, your body weight, your everything. mental health affects everything. So everything affects everything. So everybody needs to look at these same things that are affecting everything. So let's give a utopia example. Now we don't we don't know that one of these global health metrics that are validated might exist, right? Yeah. I think it would probably would need to be improved um, because everything can be made better. And this is so important to realigning the rules and the game theory of health that it really needs to be focused on. And you know, the Fortner program has a research fund where a portion of all revenue that comes in, whether that's tuition or revenue from events that Fortners give goes to a research fund. And I think one of the big things in this research fund will be to help research this metric. Mm -hmm. So, Let's say it's a score out of 100. Okay, so zero, if you're at zero, you're super unhealthy. You have a lot of disease, you have a lot of problems. And 100 is health, right? And health, we talked about this before on the Health versus Fitness podcast. Health is not just the absence of disease. Health is being in an optimal state. Because saying health is the absence of disease is a really low, low ass bar to shoot for. Mentally right? and physically. Yeah, because you can be free of, you know, pain, but super unhealthy. And unhappy. And unhappy. So we need to we need to expand that definition where health is this optimal state of being where you feel great. Um, you you're able to do all the activities you want to do. Um, you you're mentally in a good place. Your relationships thrive. This ha you're thriving exactly. This has to be a much broader definition. So zero is super unhealthy. A hundred is uh, super healthy. That's the bar. So when someone comes in, patient, you know, Jane comes to see you um, with knee pain. Okay, Jane fills out this global health metric and it has to be something that is as concise as possible that can be done quickly, but also make sure it touches on all bases. So Jane comes in, she's like a 64. When everything's taken into account, you take the average of all her scores. It includes sleep, happiness, life satisfaction, pain, blah, blah, blah. She's a 64. She sees you and in the course of a month, she goes from a 64 to an 88, right? So you take 88 minus 64, whatever that spread is, and you get paid based on, and maybe we talked about before, maybe it's a hybrid system where you get paid a small amount per visit. And then each month that she redoes that, that, um, that global health metric, you get paid a fixed amount based on the amount of improvement, uh, the amount of improvement you made, right? So your incentive is to be really good at making Jane climb up that health metric and increase, improve her global health in as yeah. short of a time as possible. This is a very good alignment of incentive structures. And where this comes into I think the biggest play is with insurance companies sure. because then they actually know what they're getting and they have a valid metric that they can use to incentivize you going to people that have the best success. So if they say, okay, you know, Jim spent $500 and he increased 50 points. Well, that's a pretty good ratio. So if Mike is responsible for that, let's send more people to Mike. Whereas like Joe, uh, you know, when that, when a different patient went to see Joe, who's a physical therapist, he spent $1,000 and went up 14 points. Well, guess what? Joe's not very good at his job according to how well he improves health based on the resources. So let's send more people to Mike than to Joe. Because healthcare providers do need to be rewarded for just being badasses is what they do too. Yeah. Right? And there, I wish there, there was be... the healthcare pro professional Olympics because it would be fun. <laughs> yeah. No, that's you know? the thing. It's it's That makes sense because not only it's it's rewarding you for getting people better, but it's also rewarding you for actually being a better version of you and you yeah. you being better at getting people better. So, so I think that ideally, like you say, in an ideal world, you would have that aspect of the game theory implemented in, into health because you want somehow to everyone's interests to be aligned. Yeah. 
And the person whose health is on the line, that's the most important person. And I think everyone would agree that if you're in pain or you're having problems, you're willing to pay someone for results that you get. For sure. Right? You don't want to just have them be the one say, oh, yeah, you're better. And, and so you owe me this money. It's like, no, you should subjectively feel like you got better and be explained on all these different realms. You know, you take a subjective rating scale and you, you no bullshit say, this is how I feel on all these different metrics. Oh, wow. Globally, I'm way better than when I first started. And you can almost see a graph of like, this is where you started. This is where you are. Yeah. And, you know, when insurance companies see that, oh, if we send someone for one visit per month it with this person, it keeps trickling that score up. And it at least maintains. So they never actually go back down. Whereas if someone's going in for symptom management and then they stop going and then the score dies way back down. Well, guess what? That person didn't actually make sustainable changes. They were just covering up symptoms yeah. with a band-aid. If they were going three times a week and they burnt through $2,000 of insurance money. <laughs> like you can and analyze that. they only went up two points. Yeah. It's like, okay, what, what's going on here? Exactly. And and that really needs to take effect because you, you're just trying to filter out the bad, the the bad, bad players. players. Yeah. And, and bad players can mean being ineffective bad players can mean taking a huge amount of money resources for very little benefit you know like it's not all evil players it's just you suck at your job you need to get better and also provide tools for that person to get better like that's the big thing like don't just say oh you're not a very good physio well guess what that's how you were trained you paid a shit ton of money to learn in school how to be a shitty physio it actually empowers you more it empowers the healthcare provider more because it gives them the control over over their destiny. If you go out of your way and you get really good at this, mm-hmm. you're going to be rewarded for it. Right now, it's just you've got too many players kind of skewing the results. You can be you can be a really good person. You could be a really good healthcare provider in a shitty system or working yeah. in a shitty corporation. Hundred uh, percent. And then you're not the getting too. That's and the that is the norm thing. because we're seeing, like you say, there's and there's also really shitty healthcare providers working in shitty corporations. Yeah. Yeah. So those are people who also need to be filtered out, but not filtered out, but just almost stepping their game yeah. up and just it, it just kind of levels everybody up because yeah. and again if we're all looking at the same metrics we we're all kind of playing the same game so so we're all in the end trying to help people the best we can and it's really about you know like we have so much technology available it's leveraging technology like what if when you went in to see your doctor they were able to pull up a health metric that you filled out on your phone with an app and they can pull up your global health metric and they can go through, okay, your score is this. Last time I saw you, your score was this, you know, like what's changed? What if, if it's better, what did you do to improve? Okay, let's do more of that. And maybe the doctor can break it down into categories. Okay, well, your, your pain is higher now, but you're sleeping better, but your mood's really good. So let's like, it allows them to, to have like a dartboard of targets and see, okay, this is the low hanging fruit right now. All these metrics are improving, but this metric is lagging behind. I wonder why. Maybe you're doing something to constantly create the pain. Okay, well, maybe let's investigate that. And then they look up, okay, this realm is not good right now. This this section of metrics. They click on a button. They look at, okay, these are the 10 best people for me to send people to to improve those metrics. How do I know that? Well, there's a bunch of data for people that saw that person that increased by X amount of points with X amount of dollars. So there's some ratio there. There's some number. And you get ranked. So literally that doctor looks and says, I'm going to send you to the best person in this area because I know who that is because this thing is telling me. Yeah. It's like these people know how to deal with this. Yeah. They, have, they have a good track record. They will fix you up because they've they've done their... And yeah. it's about giving the best value. You get the best results for the least amount of resources where everyone's happy. And yeah. I think that's, you know, so, and that was really the solution that TFC is trying to create is twofold. Number one is the app which provides people like part of this is people have to become informed because that person that goes to, you know, 
McPhysio chain and goes for 30 visits just because they don't know any better needs to be informed to say like, that's for not sure. real treatment. This is what you should be getting. And 50% of the, or 75% of the information you need to get better is actually things you need to do on yourself free of depending on a health professional. Here's all that information for free. And we're going to try and organize it as good as possible so that you can consume it as easily as possible and make it convenient. And if you need guidance, then here's an affordable way to get guidance or coaching, whether digitally by speaking to someone or by going to see someone in your area. Either way, those two options are listed there, right? And maybe they fill out their health metric once a week. They get a notification, boom, two minute survey. They fill out their health metric. That data gets put into the app. When they go see their doctor, they can say, look, this is where I'm scoring. Mm -hmm. These are the areas I'm having problems with. You know, like this. So number one is a digital platform, a digital app platform that people can use to obtain the right information to prevent them from going to see bad players, can obtain the information that they need to understand to make themselves healthy, and then can also allow them to present that information to someone that they go see if they have to go see someone. Because, yeah. because the reality is most people need a guide, number one, to help them navigate. But number two, to keep them accountable. That's the biggest thing I've realized sure. health professionals need to do is keep them accountable. Hold people to their shit. Say, you're accountable to your health. What's stopping you from getting there? Is it you just not doing your stuff or buying into this? Well, okay, this is what we can... I want to help you understand why it's important for you to do that. Or it's, do you not know what to do? Because if you don't, I'm going to show you where to learn what you need to do. Yeah. And then the second part... And it's both. It, it's, it really is both. It's like accountability sure. is huge. And some people, it's like, some people are more need more accountability than others. And it's like, 100%. this is why the personal training industry exists. Like we have all the exercises in the world listed online, but it's like, well, why does, is the person, why do people pay $5,000 a year for the personal trainer? Yeah. Accountability, right? Accountability and, and probably and a bit of guidance. And guidance and yeah. education, but again, also accountability. So, yeah. so it's Because I think the important. education piece, if you do it well and you obsess over executing well, can be done digitally, right? The, sure. the information can be presented digitally. It's how well does someone access the right information for them at that time. And a lot of times that's what requires the guide. Yeah, so, exactly. So part one is the app. And then part two is the education program. So that if a provider isn't very good, right, isn't very effective, let's say, in terms of the amount of results they get for the amount of money that they accept, then give them a training platform where they have the opportunity to improve. And that's kind of the footnote program is offer this education platform that's decentralized everyone contributes to it because one group of people cannot come up with all the knowledge and it has to evolve quickly this should be you know the, the reality i remember tim said um and i think you were there too when we went out for dinner he said that he did a presentation at his physio school and he graduated i think it was like 17 years ago or something and he went a bit before his presentation to see what the class before was doing and some of the slides hadn't changed in 17 years oh yeah <laughs> this is crazy right that's a gross exaggeration but like Really, in today's day and age where technology is so available and science is in improving and, in and evolving so quickly, there should be a curriculum that evolves every single day or every single week and not just yeah. waiting annually or with a decade update. It's like, well, guess what? If you write a textbook and it takes you two years to write it, when that textbook comes out, that information's old and might not even be valid anymore. So this is not exactly. a good way of doing things in the age of computers. So... Yeah, an education platform and then some sort of tool where people can become informed. And, you know, the goal with both of those is, like we said, align financial interests and, uh, you know, change the rules of the game, align the financial interests with outcomes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the most, that's really what needs to be done. And that's totally opposite to the way it is right now. And I think that's the crux of the problem is just people, people need help. It's crazy. People need help in this day yes. and age. It's people want to help. help. 
and people want to help. It's like, how do we just meet those two things? Yeah. How do we, and then how do we make it like being a healthcare provider? How do we make it rewarding both from a financially, right? That's important because if we're trying to keep society healthy, like yeah. that's huge. So how do we make it rewarding as a job and a career, but also financially? And, and, and I think that's key because to combat the health crisis that it's going to need to happen for sure. some form or another. And whether it, it goes through a full scale flip or we try to make these little tweaks. That's, it'll be interesting, but we, we do need these well, I think we're so regulatory bodies to also meet yeah. people who are trying to make changes. We need regulatory bodies to, to step up to the plate because they're just burning through their own resources too. For they're sure. burning through tax money. They're burning, like it's, it's everything. It's everybody needs to come together to try to, to do something about and it. And insurance companies, like insurance companies should really have like this, collective union of like take manual life sun life great west life put them all together create the special forces of figuring out why the hell are we spending so much money and wasting so much money for sure and i think that special forces should come to this conclusion where it's like okay let's have a global rating scale for people to to, to like a global health rating scale where people can get a number so that we can track their improvements and let's also track how well certain people improve health metrics based on the resources that are used yeah, that's the perfect ratio, right? Like you, the only way you can bullshit that is if you're filling it out for the patient and that's just straight up fraud. So it's like, as long as people are informed that this is how this will, this metric will be used. This is how we're going to determine how well you're doing. And this is mm -hmm. how to kind of understand it at a base level too, so that they can see their improvement. Cause them seeing that they're improving, even though they might not feel drastic differences, they can look on a piece of paper and say, wow, I have this number. I'm a, I'm an 85 now. I want to get yeah. to 90 or I want to get to 95 and I want to get there within a month. Who can I go see that has a track record of being able to get people up to 90 in a short of a period as possible? Well, great. This person has the highest rating. And why do they get the highest rating? Because they've helped the most people by using the least amount of resources. Mm -hmm. This is aligning the game. This is changing the rules of the game and making sure that there's no possibility for bad players to take advantage of it. Because it really doesn't, right? Unless you yeah. hack the system or something like that or, or fraudulently fill out health outcome measures you exactly. can't hack it like it's it speaks for itself and you're assuming that people want to get better and yeah i think people do they do no one likes to be in pain yeah. there are people uh, there's always exceptions right there's always yeah. some dude that doesn't want to go back to work and is getting paid for rehab and is taking a mm. an indefinite holiday at the expense of his insurance company but that is not the norm no you know? those are yeah. bad players in the system and i think there's always going to be those and if you can make rules that make bad players make it hard for bad players to take advantage of like that, even better. Yeah. Right. Like if you, if if say Jim is one of those guys, Jim got in a car accident or got hurt at work and never wants to go back to work because his job sucks. He doesn't like his job, but he really likes going to see a physio once, you know, once a day and then just chilling the rest of the day and getting paid sixty percent of his salary. Yeah. That's a bad player. So if Jim goes to see someone that has a really high level rating in terms of effectiveness, it doesn't get any better. And then goes to see another person doesn't get any better. Well, guess what? Jim's insurance company should be like, hmm, what's going on here, Jim? Yeah, this like guy. You're seeing people that have a really good track record. You're not improving. You're going, you're consuming and burning through all these resources. You know, let's, and, and all you have to do is put a red flag algorithm so that if, if, if the numbers show a gym in your system, that gets red flagged and then you investigate it. Yeah. Right. It makes it very easy. It's just like the tax system. You only get red flagged when you do something really sketchy, but that's a very efficient way of finding bad players. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, these technology, the technology is there. The, the concepts are, I don't think that hard for people to understand. We just got to get these implemented. And at the mm -hmm. end of the day, if you go from taking, you know, insurance companies 
are big players and they want to make money. At the end of the day, insurance companies want to make money. So yeah. if they can get better results and improve people's health, if they can take in the same premiums, but pay out less money, guess what? You have their ears. For sure. We just got to get those ears. And I think with TFC, we're eventually going to have a group where that are going to, you know, talk to insurance companies and just level with them and be like, hey, this is what's up. This yeah. is what needs to change. Here's a proposal. Let's try this. And let's see how much money you make, how much more money you make. Mm-hmm. And the end goal is obviously if insurance companies are paying out way less, then eventually premiums should come down. Yeah. You would think. Like that's the that is the ideal situation. Um, but at minimum, same premiums are being collected, but health blasts through the roof. Well, guess what? That's a good outcome too. Yeah. So anyway, anything else to say on that topic? I think that's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we got to incentivize health and not disease, which is the way it is right now. You know, fee for results, not fee for service. And, uh, you know, our, our solution is twofold is the, is an app and then also an education platform. And we also got to look at, take a deep look at who is actually making the rules or, or influencing the rules of the yeah. game, because right now it's clearly the, the, the wrong big, people. yeah, the wrong people, the big, big pharmas of the world. So big pharma, big, big, big corpse of any kind. Mm. Right. And if you have enough money, you can change the rules of the game and this should not be allowed. The, the, the rules need to be engineered so well that there's no opportunity for big players with a lot of influence to change the rules. Yeah. That's really the end message. Anyway, we hope you enjoy that podcast and we'll catch you next week.